friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the February 9th edition of the Sunday Side of Sports. This evening, we continue our preview of Super Bowl 57, the annual championship game in American-style professional football. Millions of people around the world are expected to watch the big game on Sunday between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles near the western U.S. city of Phoenix, Arizona. Now, this marks the third time in the past four years the Chiefs have made it to the Super Bowl. Kansas City won its first Super Bowl trophy in 1970 and then went 50 years before winning its second in 2020. Philadelphia lifted its only Super Bowl trophy in 2018. The Chiefs will go into Super Bowl Sunday hoping their star quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, does not have any issues with a recent ankle injury. And it sounds like he'll be ready to go, as we hear now from the AP's Greg Eklund in Phoenix. Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes continues to recover from his high ankle sprain suffered in the divisional round game. Mahomes says he has already noticed improvement, since the AFC Championship game. It's going to be uh, definitely better, more mobile, uh, be able to move around a little bit uh, better for sure, and then we'll see on game day how close to 100% I can be. During the regular season, the Chiefs offense with Mahomes taking the snaps averaged 29 points a game, which was the best per game average in the NFL. The Eagles ranked third in the NFL with 28 points a game. Greg Eklund, Phoenix. Thanks, Greg. The Eagles' defense will definitely be trying to contain Patrick Mahomes, as we hear now from the AP's George Tanner in Phoenix. Eagles linebacker Hassan Reddick says even though Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes hasn't fully recovered from an ankle injury, he still remains their number one concern. Mahomes, he's a, a, a truly a great talent, man. He, The kid, he makes plays every way possible. I mean just seems like sometimes he thinking of things on a fly and just make a play so go out there I'm gonna give him my all but I have no predictions we're gonna see how this one ends in the fourth quarter the Eagles report quarterback Jalen Hurts has mostly recovered from a lingering late season shoulder injury I think it all comes down to your preparation you want to go out there and be something you know reinvent the wheel be something that you're not or you know just be who you've been this whole entire time and I think both teams that have gotten to this point and they've done great things all year, so it'll be a, be a definite challenge for, for us. George Tatter, Phoenix. Thanks, George. Super Bowl 57 has also been referred to as the Kelsey Bowl. This will mark the first Super Bowl to feature brothers playing against each other. Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey and Eagles center Jason Kelsey. Travis says the Chiefs recognize the problems posed by the Eagles' defensive line. That's arguably the strength of their team is, is the, that front right there. And obviously their two corners. 
But um, when uh, when they can control the line of scrimmage and uh, make it tough on a on an offense and put them in passing situations, um, you can get in trouble. Travis Kelsey's tight end counterpart on the Eagles is Dallas Goddard. Dallas praises Travis Kelsey and says he's looking forward to the Super Bowl Sunday tight end showdown. At this time of the year, you're playing good good people at every position, but. Uh, Going up against the best tight end in the NFL, uh, it's an honor. It's it's really cool, and you know I'm looking forward to uh, you know hopefully a tight end show the entire day. That's Philadelphia Eagles tight end Dallas Goddard. The Eagles will play the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday in Super Bowl 57 near the western U.S. city of Phoenix, Arizona. I'm VOA Sonny Young in Washington. And you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. VOA Africa is your trusted source for news, sports, entertainment, and music. Stay engaged with VOA Africa. We love to hear your voice. You can call us 24-7 on WhatsApp and leave a message. Leave comments, requests, or greetings. We may play your message on VOA Africa. Dial the international code plus one, then 202-258-3076. VOA Africa is always happy to hear your voice. The number again is the international code plus one, then 202-258-3076. In African women's football, Nigeria and Barcelona striker Asisat Ashuala could break her own scoring record in the Spanish league if she maintains her present form. Asisat has scored 22 goals in all competitions this season, and she looks like she'll be one of the African players to watch later this year at the FIFA Women's World Cup. For reaction, Iron Mike Mbonye spoke with African women's football analyst Sam Amadou. I must say it is heartwarming to really follow closely the, the great form of Asisa Tishwala. She's been on a very impressive form this season, if not her best ever form uh, as in the history of her, her, her stints with Barcelona. And I think since, since joining uh, since joining in 2019, which is over four years now, I think she's been on a, an incredible rise. And at least having seen her scored 20 goals twice in four years, in four seasons, I think it's incredible. And now she's looking to uh, eclipse that record and at least beat her own record and also probably do better than she, she did uh, to win uh, the... Uh, La Liga top scorer. That's a, that's at the PH award last season. I think it's it's also timely uh, that she has really uh, done better to find great form. This great form this year. And looking at it's been a World Cup year, Women's World Cup year for her, and I think and Nigeria. And so it's it's really making her look focused and look making her look uh, in great shape ahead of the World Cup. And 
most definitely. You've seen her scoring uh, three hat-tricks in four games and also uh, scoring in seven, in six consecutive matches for Barcelona. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a personal record, I must admit, for her and I think most likely the club. So uh, it's an incredible feat and I think it's something for most just celebrated as Nigerians and also Af- as Africans are seeing one of our own as one of Africa's best, also doing well. Do you think Asisat's improved form is a boost for the Super Falcons of Nigeria as they prepare for the FIFA Women's World Cup? Yeah, definitely. I have no doubt that Asisat's improved form this year and this season would definitely be a massive boost for Nigeria. Uh, going into the Women's World Cup. And I think it's a uh, uh, first tweet. We'll be seeing how the Revelations are cop, the Negra edition in Lyon, as in Mexico. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't see the best of her, uh, the women's Afghan. I think the burden on her, especially understanding uh, the huge expectations and also uh, expectations on her, you know, leading the team uh, in Morocco, definitely her absence was heavily felt. And I think it's definitely... No, wouldn't have been uh, imagined that a better time could have come for her to have really hit form. And I think going into the World Cup, surely to be massive. And if you recall in 2015, everyone will feel as if that probably wasn't ready yet, especially just uh, happening a year after she did help uh, the country reach the finals uh, for the second time at the end of 2011. And so where she scooped the top scorer and also best player award, uh, best player award at the under 20 Women's World Cup in Canada. Definitely the tournament may have come too soon for her. But this time, uh, definitely after uh, a one-goal celebration leading Nigeria, which was massive in Nigeria, reaching the knockout stage for the first time in 20 years uh, in France, definitely one could uh, really hope this possibly could be the year. And definitely, I think everything looks, uh, everything is looking up for our season. And I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure she would really be able to make a huge mark on her third Women's World Cup appearance. Sam? Do you think Asisat will score more goals before the end of the season for FC Barcelona Femini? Oh, well, no doubt. She's having a very good run at the moment. And uh, assuredly, uh, she doesn't look like any any me any plan to back down at this point. You know? uh, scoring in seven consecutive games uh, speaks volumes about her potentials. I mean, the league games uh, speaks speak hugely about what more to expect from her. So have been managed to keep that consistency. Uh, you know, 14 goals in those seven games. That speaks volume. That's twice two goals in each matches. Fantastic start if you ask me. And also, uh, it's, it's, it shows... Uh, much more can be expected from her. We have so many games to come, you know, uh, just uh, over 20 games already this season. So uh, definitely a lot more uh, to come from, from from her and also uh, in the in, not just for Barcelona in the league, but also uh, possibly in the Champions League. So I think it's uh, it's the beginning of many to come because she has, uh, she's scoring, uh, she, she managed to score her seventh, uh, will I say, she began to score this, she, she began to amass this massive scoring uh, feeds uh, since December 2020, December 22nd, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, since then, I think since then, she's been on the, on, on the, on the, on the on the hot one and as she's been hogging headlines and you know for me it's it's incredible a great feat for her and so uh, we just can have a doubt that she would really really uh, rain more goals in days to come so I think it's still a long journey the second round is just kicking off uh, in the season so uh, definitely might be just 
uh, a year where we could see her hitting uh, not fewer than 30 goals uh, even possibly 40 having seen her hit already 17 goals and she's just three goals away uh, from matching her own personal record which was her personal best uh, uh, all career wise in Europe and also while in Nigeria so it's definitely she's close to breaking her own record imagine her own record I mean I must say scoring 20 league goals a season so uh, definitely uh, a season to expect more so I wouldn't be surprised if she gets to hit 30 hopefully injury doesn't set in I think this will be a major breakthrough season for her not just in Europe but uh, not just in the league but also across Europe and hopefully in the summer of the women's world cup that's african women's football analyst sam amadu and sam spoke with iron mike and bonye on the telephone from abuja nigeria sporty greetings this is randy waldrum coach of the super falcons of nigeria you're listening to the sunny side of sports on the voice of america thanks thanks coach Hello, this is Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up, dance this music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. This is the voice of America. Washington, DC. The North African countries of Egypt and Algeria will host two big boys football competitions this year. Algeria recently staged the African Nations Championship or CHAN tournament for home base players. At the end of April, Algeria will also host the Africa Under 17 Cup of Nations. And Egypt is the venue for the Africa Under-20 Cup of Nations, which kicks off February 19th. The Confederation of African Football, CAF, recently held the draw for the Africa Under-17 Cup of Nations, as we hear now from Samson Omale. Africa's soccer ruling body, CAF, has conducted the draws for the 2023 Under-17 African Cup of Nations. Twelve countries qualified to compete in the tournament later to hold in Algeria. CAF head of competition, Khalid Nasser, conducted the draws in Cairo. This competition will take place from 29th April to 19th May. These are the compositions of the group after the the Boeing of Lots. Group A in Algiers, Nelson Mandela Stadium, Algeria, Senegal, Congo, Somalia. Group B in Shahid Hamlawi Stadium, Constantine, Nigeria, Morocco, South Africa, Zambia. Group C in Annaba, 
19 mai 1956 Stadium, Cameroon, Mali, Burkina Faso and South Sudan. The four semi-finalists will qualify for the 2023 FIFA Under-17 World Cup, which will be held in Peru from November 10th to December 2nd this year. In the meantime, the CAF Under-20 African Cup of Nations tagged Egypt 2023 will take place in Egypt from the 19th of February to the 11th of March 2023. The host cities are Cairo, Ismailia and Alexandria. The 12th nation tournament will begin with a mouth-watering opening game between host Egypt and Mozambique on Sunday the 19th of February. Adrian Kashala, Football Association of Zambia General Secretary, told the young Chipolopolo to stay focused and aim for the semi-finals. The top four. Okay, so we cannot miss out of this four. We've been the best in the region and I believe that when we get there, we'll dominate. People are, sh- are, sh- are shaking wherever they may be. So, first qualified the World Cup, and then now we get the cup and bring it. That's what we're going there for. Another country going to the CAF Under-20 Nations Cup is the Hippos of Uganda. I'm Jackson Mayanja, a former professional football player, former player for experience, sportive, the Tunis, former mastery player, and now a former captain also for the national team of Uganda Cranes. I just urge everybody to listen to the sunny side of sports on the Voice of America. Head coach Jackson Mayanja says despite the team's 2-0 win over a local side in one of their build-up games, his technical team still has some final touches to make. They must be comfortable on the ball. It's a very big problem. Players are not comfortable on the ball. So I'm trying to make sure I put them to be comfortable on the ball, which is very, very important today. Most footballers just are scared to keep the ball. So that's why you see most of these teams we have played, these are top, top teams in the league, Premier League. At least we have managed to beat them convincingly because of that comfortability on the ball and the trust in the footballers. The under-20 Afghan will also serve as qualifiers for the FIFA Under-20 World Cup in Indonesia in May. Thanks, Samson. That's Samson Omale. I'm Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. VOA Africa would like to hear from you. Send us a text message or a voice note on WhatsApp 24-7. Leave a comment, request, or send us a greeting, and you could be hearing your message on VOA Africa. Simply dial the international code plus one, then 202-258-3076. We are always happy to hear from you. The number again is international code plus one, then 202-258-3076. VOA Africa, your trusted source for news, sports, entertainment and music. This is Colonel Sam Amedu, retired, President FIBA Africa Zone 3. You are once more listening to Sunny Side of Sports on the Voice of America. Thank you very much and have a good day. Thank you very much, Colonel Sam, and I hope you're having a good day. Pro basketball, a blockbuster trade. The Phoenix Suns have acquired 13-time All-Star Kevin Durant from the Brooklyn Nets. The Suns add Durant to a starting lineup that already includes an all-star backcourt of Chris Paul and Devin Booker, 
along with center DeAndre Ayton. Now, in the trade, the Suns sent Cam Johnson, Michael Bridges, Jay Crowder, four first-round draft picks, and additional draft compensation to the Nets. Just recently, Brooklyn traded another star player, Kyrie Irving, to the Dallas Mavericks. Irving made his debut for the Mavs on Wednesday night, as we'll hear from the AP's Bruce Morton. But first, Bruce has details on another NBA trade. Pro basketball with Thursday's trading deadline looming, the wheeling and dealing has begun. On Wednesday, the Lakers were at the center of a three-team deal. They sent guard Russell Westbrook to Utah while obtaining guard D'Angelo Russell from Minnesota. Los Angeles was also in the news Wednesday as that is where Kyrie Irving, acquired Sunday from Brooklyn, made his debut with the Mavericks. Mark Myers has details. In his first game with his new team, Kyrie Irving scored 24 points to help lead the Mavericks past the Clippers 110-104. to Irving added five assists. They're just getting used to playing with me and um, just seeing how many open shots I can create for them and the double teams that are coming. So our rotations are just getting better. And then I'm sure when number 77 gets back, uh, it'll be even more enjoyable to see and uh, play out there. It just felt good to get this debut out of the way. Um, just been a long 96 hours, barely any sleep sometimes. And um, just packing my stuff up. It was the first time I ever got traded in the middle of the season. So it was new for me. Um, but I'm excited that I'm here and uh, just keep things rolling now. Dallas shot 17 of 35 from three and led for the entire 48 minutes. Dallas pulled off the victory without its injured leading scorer, Luka Doncic. In Wednesday's marquee matchup, the Celtics held off Philadelphia 106-99. Boston coach Joe Mazzulla said a sound approach made all the difference. I thought we were very detailed um, in our spacing. We were detailed in our uh, play call frequency. We were detailed in our defense. And I think that is when you're locked in and connected to the details, it gives you that extra sense of confidence. Also in the East, the Cavaliers dusted off Detroit 113-85. Jared Allen led the way with a game-high 20 points. They kept on getting back. We didn't get our, our how we usually play, and then we finally locked in and said that we're going to finish this game, and uh, we went up by 30 and I felt like a quarter and a half, and that's how we should always play. College basketball smiles all around in Nashville as Vanderbilt stuns number 6 Tennessee 66-65. The difference? A buzzer-beating three-ball from Tyron Lawrence. Man, it felt great. Uh, you know, that stuff we dreaming about as kids, you know, just in the backyard, count down from 3-2-1, you know, and you know, glad I was able to hit a game-winner. That's something i never forget. Bruce Morton. Sporty greetings. This is Masai Ujiri, the president of Toronto Raptors Basketball, president of Giants of Africa Foundation. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Around the clock, The Voice of America keeps you in touch with the latest news. Tune in at the top of every hour, every day of the week, for the five-minute VOA newscast. We bring you reports from our correspondents and interviews with newsmakers from around the world. Give us five minutes and we'll give you the world. VOA, your trusted source for news and information. Two American athletes won the men's and women's titles at the recent World Marathon Challenge, a grueling globetrotting event that sent competitors on a week-long journey across seven continents. Joining us now with more details is VOA's Gwen Uten. 
Sporty greetings, Gwen. Sporty greetings, Sonny. The World Marathon Challenge, the only annual event of its kind, gives athletes the opportunity to run seven marathons across seven continents in seven days. This year's challenge began in Antarctica on January 31st and continued over six consecutive days in Cape Town, South Africa, Australia, the United Arab Emirates, Spain, Brazil, and finally, the U.S. state of Florida. During the competition, athletes traveled by plane 8 to 14 hours between marathon sites and ran 26 miles at each location. Race director Richard Donovan talked about the World Marathon in Perth, Australia, and said this year's event not only presented a physical challenge, the athletes competed against grueling temperatures as well. We have people of kind of all ages in this year's event from different nationalities um, experiencing huge turnarounds in temperature. We went from minus 13 Fahrenheit in Antarctica to the mid-90s here, so that's over 100 degrees turnaround, and that's just the temperature challenge alone. The event is called World Marathon Challenge for a reason. Besides fluctuating global temperatures, competitors are also challenged with sleep deprivation, marathon fatigue, and extreme jet lag. And there were logistical challenges as well. Bureaucratic delays in South Africa forced organizers to reschedule other races to finish by the event's deadline. But despite the setbacks, 35 runners completed the seventh stage on schedule earlier this week in Miami, Florida. The man and woman with the fastest average marathon time across the seven continents were declared the winners of the competition. And leading the group was American David Kilgore, an international trail runner and overall champion of the world marathon. Kilgore won all seven marathons in the competition, running at a pace of about 6 minutes 43 seconds per mile for a total of 183 miles. And days before crossing the finish line, he described the challenge as one of a kind. Yeah, I would say this event is uh, it's pretty nuts, honestly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a big challenge, and I feel like uh, it's kind of a go-with-the-flow kind of thing, though, which I feel like makes it, a, it pretty exciting because you never know what's going to happen with the schedule, how it's going to twist, how it's going to turn, and uh, how the weather's going to be. So, yeah, it's one big adventure, but it is a really tough challenge. So I feel like if uh, you're up for looking for something new in the running world, yeah, definitely take a, take a stab at this because it's, it's definitely one of a kind. Fellow American Deidre Keene claimed the World Marathon women's title and said the event was an experience she'll never forget. Absolutely incredible. Best experience with the most wonderful people I could have ever met saw the whole world in the week and I got to run a marathon every continent and I won! In 2019, compatriot Dan Little became the oldest man to compete in the World Marathon Challenge at age 76. Four years later, the now 80-year-old completed the seven-day event for a second time. So what inspired Dan Little to return to the competition? The same thing that inspires me to come back again. It is the feeling of feeling half-dead and never more alive at the same time. So, I'll be back.
This year's event also marked a pair of firsts. Great Britain's Darren Edwards became the first hand cyclist to finish the World Marathon Challenge, and William Tan of Singapore is now the first wheelchair racer to successfully complete each stage of the competition. The two men overcame seemingly insurmountable challenges for their place in the history books of the unprecedented global event. And that is all for me. Sunny, back over to you. Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Uten. And let's give a sunny side of sports salute to all the athletes who met the challenge in the 2023 World Marathon Challenge. Around the clock, the Voice of America keeps you in touch with the latest news. Tune in at the top of every hour, every day of the week. For the five-minute VOA newscast. We bring you reports from our correspondents and interviews with newsmakers from around the globe. Give us five minutes and we'll give you the world. VOA, your trusted source for news and information. And that wraps up the February 9th edition of the show. I get it. Thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports. <laughs>